0: And a very good evening to you from tonight's edition of Health Matters. It's our monthly phone-in show this evening, and with World Diabetes Day coming up on the 14th of November, we're focusing on diabetes this evening with my guest, Dr. Larry Distiller, Managing Director and Principal Physician of the Centre for Diabetes and Endocrinology. Dr. Distiller, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Thank you, and welcome to the uh, uh, to the listeners. Well, just a reminder before we begin that there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page, Health Matters on ed- S A F M, Or if you don't have access to Facebook, you can email me at healthmatters at safm.co.za and I'll send you the list and you can choose what you'd like. Well, if you have any questions about diabetes, anything you need to know, you're just curious about anything, you can call us now on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10
1: 2010. At Adcock Ingram, we're inspired to create quality medicines at affordable prices. The passion and care that goes into our trusted brands like Panado, BioPlus, Comprow and Citrus Soda can also be found in our range of generic medicines. So whether you're a boykey with a bellyache or a gogo with a cold, trust us to take care of you and your family's health. Adcock Ingram, adding value to life. Ask for Adcock Ingram medicines the next time you visit your pharmacy. Health Matters with Karan Key.
0: Half million South Africans, about 6% of the population, suffer from diabetes and there are many more who are undiagnosed. It's estimated that another 5 million South Africans have pre-diabetes, a condition where insulin resistance causes blood glucose levels to be higher than normal, but not high enough yet to be type 2 diabetes. The highest prevalence of diabetes is among the Indian population in South Africa. It's between 11 and 13 percent, as this group has a strong genetic predisposition for diabetes. This is followed by 8 to 10 percent in the colored community, 5 to 8 percent among our black community, and 4 percent amongst the white community. Well, globally, 366 million people have diabetes. The International Diabetes Federation predicts that this number is to rise to 552 million by the year 2020. 2030. That is absolutely alarming. The greatest increase in diabetes is expected to be here in Africa. It's predicted that the incidence of diabetes in Africa will have almost doubled by 2030 and there are currently 14.7 million diabetics in Africa. However, according to the IDF, around 78% of Africans with diabetes are undiagnosed because it's known as the silent killer. Dr. Distiller, I've actually just alarmed myself.
2: Yes, those figures I think are an underestimate.
0: An underestimate.
2: I think the IDF is way behind the times. Oh, my
0: God. Now you're scaring me even further. (laughs) That is absolutely – the thing I think the problem with this is because it's what's known as the silent killer. Most people don't even realize they have the symptoms.
2: Well, type 2 diabetes Mm. can be asymptomatic or have no symptoms for many years. In fact, it's said that at the time it's diagnosed, most people have had it for seven years.
0: Really? Really? Wow. Okay, so what sort of symptoms should we be looking out well, for? And I don't want people to get out, be out there yeah. getting all alarmed now. Well,
2: that's the problem. There aren't any symptoms. Oh. You know, for type 1 diabetes for young people, the blood sugars go very high quite quickly and they get thirsty and they lose weight and they pass lots of urine and get up at night to go to the toilet. And that's the classical known symptoms of diabetes. In type 2 diabetes, the sugars don't go high enough to cause those symptoms. So they feel a bit tired maybe, or a bit out of sorts, but... Uh, But other than that, they may have no symptoms at all for a number of years.
0: So, is this something that we should be having? Almost have an annual checkup? We should include a sugar, you know,
2: glucose test. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there there are certain risk factors. If you're overweight, if you've got a family history of type two diabetes, if you've got high blood pressure or high cholesterol, then you should have your sugar checked at least once a year. A fasting blood sugar done.
0: Okay, but this is something that we shouldn't just wait until we supposedly think we have some symptoms because, as you said, nine times out of ten, there probably aren't any. Correct. That's <laughs> why so many are undiagnosed for so long. But the alarming thing is that if it goes con- continues to go undiagnosed, I mean, it can cause all sorts of quite bad things to happen to your body. Well,
2: absolutely. This is the problem with diabetes, that high blood sugar damages the blood vessels, the small and the large blood vessels. So it causes eye problems, kidney problems, heart disease, amputations, uh, and often patients only present and are diagnosed with diabetes when they present with a complication.
0: So we shouldn't wait until then? No. Nope. No, so we should actually. So you say annually from about what age? Or
2: uh, it varies, uh, different authorities, but probably about 40, 45
0: onwards, particularly if you're over, overweight or got a family history of diabetes. So then you should add this to your annual checkup. Just ask for that as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Gosh, okay. I was actually quite amazed when I was doing some research on this to notice that there is a difference between the different population groups in South Africa. I wasn't actually aware of that before.
2: There's a very wide difference uh, worldwide between different ethnic groups. Uh, And I think it's probably largely genetic, uh, but we know it's there. And developing countries and developing uh, ethnic
0: groups have got the highest incidence. There was some rather interesting information I was reading a while ago in our black population, because that I said was possibly the second or second highest yeah, yeah. or the third highest of group of people, five to eight percent. And that seemed to relate quite a lot towards um, groups of people moving in from the rural areas into the cities to find work or for better opportunities. And then, unfortunately, falling prey to the Western Way of eating and living, and and where they they come from, possibly was a lot healthier for them, um, you know, food wise. And they're coming into the city, and there's fast food and all this junk stuff, and it's really not doing their health any good. Absolutely. You
2: know, the human body was developed over many, many millions of years to combat feast and famine periods of feast, periods of famine. When you move into the Western world, you've got feast and feast, there's no famine. So you are caught by the dual problem of sloth and gluttony. Too little exercise, too much food.
0: So a lot of it when it comes to especially to type 2 diabetes. Yes, type 1's um, different. Yeah, that's diabetes. a whole other thing, yes. but type 2 is really basically we life, could do something about it. It's, it's a lifestyle a, It's a lifestyle condition. Mm.
2: The genetic predisposition may be there, but if one exercises and eats properly and stays slim and fit, your chance of getting it is reduced dramatically.
0: Well, you're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening you're focusing on diabetes with my guest, Dr. Larry Distiller, Managing Director and Principal Physician of the Centre for Diabetes and Endocrinology. If you have any questions, you can call us now on 0892-102010, 0892-102010. Dr. Distiller, could you tell me a little bit about the Centre for Diabetes and Endocrinology? What do you do there?
2: Okay, Centre for Diabetes and Endocrinology is actually part of a nationwide network of diabetes centers. Head office is in Houghton where I work and we've got a, a large center with six endocrinologists, diabetologists working there but we also uh, help administer and work with another 260 centers around the country which involves a number of diabetologists, a number of specialist physicians and a large number of trained GPs in different diabetes centers across the country uh, looking after diabetes with contracts with a lot of medical aids. So we, we're trying to bring better care to diabetes everywhere.
0: I had a look at your website, and there's a lot of very useful information on the website if people are interested in going to have a look at that. Because I think the more information we have, the better we possibly will be in the end. You know, a long time ago, I talking about 1927,
2: a man called Elliot Jocelyn, who was one of the first diabetologists ever from the States, from Boston, made a statement. He said, the diabetic who knows the most lives the longest.
0: Well, there, that is. The key. Oh, there you go. Have a look at the website. I'll give you the address just now. Lots of good information there. Are there any sort of myths surrounding this diabetes that we should be aware of? That we should be ignoring? Yes. First of
2: all, that
0: sugar causes
2: diabetes. Sugar per se doesn't cause diabetes. It's too many calories, and getting fat that causes diabetes. So sugar in moderation is okay. It's reasonable. The second myth is that artificial sweeteners cause all sorts of horrible things from Alzheimer's disease to cancer. There's no evidence of that at all. They're considered to be quite safe in the uh, scientific medical
0: literature. Those are just two, two myths that come to mind. I think what, why we were always confused before is it used to always be known as sugar diabetes. It always had sugar in the the title of it. Well, that's because it's, because it's used in elevated blood glucose, and glucose mm. is sugar. Yes, so people, I think, assumed that the sugar was causing all of it. That's what was called, su- su- called sugar diabetes. Correct. But that's just the name because of the glucose. Correct. Okay, right, okay. Um, um, the number I was – when I was also doing the introduction, I also mentioned that the International Diabetes Federation, as you said, was under-reporting, predicted that our numbers here were likely to rise, uh, you know, to double here in Africa by 2030. I mean, that's actually – I'm literally speechless almost. Yeah, no, they are going to double in the next 20 years but I think they're starting from a higher base than the numbers that the idea for giving us. Because I said here, there's currently 14.7 million diabetics in Africa. Unfortunately, 78% are undiagnosed. Mm. That's a really large number. And I know that there are a number of people out there um, going all out to get the word out and to get the information out there. And, you know, it's one wonders, is are, are we making a dent here? Are we, are we actually getting the word out?
2: I'm afraid not. Um, people are... You know, it's it's denial. People are in denial. People are overweight, don't recognize they're overweight. People with a family history believe it won't happen to them. And it's the simplest thing to diagnose. It's a simple blood test. One blood test can make the diagnosis And, and change your life. And once you are diagnosed, what then? You then get proper treatment. And proper treatment consists of, first of all, an approach, and most importantly for type 2 diabetes, an approach to lifestyle change. And the most important thing in lifestyle is exercise. You know, exercise has been uh, engineered out of our lives in this century. As I always tell my patients, there are no escalators in the bush. You cork <laughs> up a hill. <laughs> That's so true. And uh, we need exercise. And, you know, the exercise one needs does not need to be going to a gym and working out for an hour a day and sweating. The World Health Organization and the authorities say all you need is half an hour of moderate intensity exercise five times a week, which is brisk walking, a half an hour brisk walk every day, five days a week. And you can split that to 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the afternoon. It doesn't have to be done all at once. So it is doable. And then with that, of course, proper eating, healthy eating, and the focus of of World Diabetes Day this year, the the, the theme, is proper eating starts with a proper breakfast.
0: They always said that was the most important meal of the day. So, yep. the, the, recently, I'm sure you must have seen this. There was something called the Healthy Kids, Healthy Active Kids Report Card, that was also an international study done on the fact that children don't move very much anymore and what it's doing to them at a very young age and I was chatting to somebody from the Sports Science Institute about this report and she was saying you know, unfortunately it starts as children and they are the ones that are going to grow up and end up with things like diabetes because they're not moving they're just sitting there and and unfortunately everything is either on the computer or it's a video game or it's a something and kids don't seem to like back in the day I give my age away now we used to play in the street you know after school we'd run around and kick a ball or throw a ball or something kids are inside doing things and it's a very sedentary lifestyle for the children these days
2: well the result of that we're seeing a worldwide uh, epidemic in fact of type 2 diabetes in children and adolescents <laughs> children as long as as young as five six seven years of age are getting type 2 diabetes oh my which goodness. used to be known as a, a maturity diabetes older people's
0: diabetes that young that's yes. that is awful and this is probably mostly because of the of the lifestyle it's and obesity. also the fact that they're not mm. moving they're just yes, sitting tr- there fat and, and 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 don't move and at the age of six, seven, eight they get diabetes. Gosh, but just while we on types of diabetes, there is another type called gestational diabetes. Could you explain what that is? Gestational diabetes is a form
2: of elevated blood glucose that occurs during pregnancy, usually about mid pregnancy, maybe twenty eight weeks. It's not very high blood sugars. It's only slightly elevated, but it does have an effect on the developing baby. And needs to be treated strictly because in pregnancy, you need very strict control of blood glucose for the baby to develop normally. So in high-risk women, gynaecologists will test them at about 26, 28 weeks. Their sugars are higher than they should be for that
0: stage of pregnancy. That's called gestational diabetes. And this is something that once they've had the baby, more than likely will return to normal? Well most will return to normal in the short term,
2: but it is a precursor of type 2 diabetes later in life. So it's almost like an indicator that it could happen. Many, and many will go on to type 2 diabetes later in life. And
0: so it's also one of those things that if that does happen to you, for goodness sake, just keep an eye on it. Have it checked. You know, well,
2: you it, it's a very good warning that when you had your baby, get fit, lose weight, and look after yourself.
0: Yes, yeah, so everything. You, you know, we have to take responsibility a lot of the time, and this is one of those times, I think. Right, you are listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're just focusing on diabetes with my guest, Dr. Larry Distiller, Managing Director and Principal Physician of the Center for Diabetes and Endocrinology. Any questions? You can call us now on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 2010. Chris N. Potterstrom. good evening.
3: Good evening, Karen. Hello. Good evening to the doctor.
0: How can we help you, Chris? Yes.
3: Yeah. Uh, Karen, I just want to know from the doctor. Type 2 diabetes, how What is? How quickly can that develop into type 1? That's question number one. And number two, I've got a lot of friends who are diabetic, but there's a norm amongst them to continuously eat because apparently they are always hungry or something, but they all eat their own food. So I, I wanted to know, is this, is this common that diabetic people are always munching on something?
2: All right, let me answer those two questions. The first one, we need to understand type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes are to- two totally different conditions. Type 2 doesn't turn into type 1. If you've got type 2, it's always type 2. But type two people with type 2 diabetes, many of them will eventually need insulin treatment. It doesn't make them a type 1, they're remaining a type 2. But they're type 2s who need insulin. So don't confuse okay. the two. Type 1 can't become type 2 and type 2 can't become type 1. Just the treatment changes. Okay, right. Right. okay. The second issue, it's a question of what comes first, the cart or the horse. Are these people diabetic because they're eating all the time and getting fat? And they're blaming the diabetes now. Because diabetes doesn't increase your appetite. If they're on certain treatments, some pills called sulfonylureas, ureas, those who are on insulin, it might make them hungry if they're being overtreated and the sugars are dropping all the time. If they've been properly treated and their sugars are stable, they should be no more hungry than you or I. Yeah,
3: because it that's that's Yeah, that's, it helps a lot, Doc. Because most of them are always saying, I've got to take my tablets and therefore I've got to eat something. And, and I just look at the amount of food they consume and, and it's been... The weight is the problem, but yeah. if, it's an if the medication then makes you eat more, then I, I couldn't understand why. No, it's an but excuse.
0: I think also uh, there was also in the literature they talk about diabetics having to eat six meals a day, but I think they say six small meals. So you're supposed to be eating to keep your sugar levels.
2: No, that's, is that's that uh, what that's is that? Is that fa- that's, gone that's, now?
0: That's old fashioned. Well, what I'm saying, maybe they still think that's what yeah. they're supposed to do, yeah. but they miss the word small.
2: Yeah, in 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 the uh, previous older treatments, older insulin regimens. You had to eat six times a day, three meals and three snacks. With more modern insulins now, you can do away with those snacks, and three meals a day is fine. Three healthy meals of uh, moderate quantity.
0: You don't have to eat all day long with diabetes. So, Chris, maybe you should tell your friends that that was old news. They're not supposed to do that anymore.
4: I will most definitely do that.
0: <laughs> thanks a lot, Karen. Okay. Thanks, Chris. A pleasure. Thanks. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. So, so, so maybe people are still living in, back in the day saying six meals a day, but they missed the word small.
2: Missed the word small, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, small
0: meals. And now you no. say that's no longer the case.
2: No, they eat once mm-hmm. a day, my patients, all day. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> but realistically, they're supposed to just have like regular people. Yes, three, three, meal, meals, a three day, meals a day, moderate day, meals. Moderate and food intake,
2: s- healthy food. Healthy Is there anything eating?
0: that people with diabetes should be avoiding like the plague? Funnily enough, I'll tell you one thing they don't know they should be avoiding.
2: It's fruit juice. Really? A glass of fruit juice has got more calories and more sugar than a glass of Coca-Cola. But it's fructose. And, you know, they say on these fruit things, no sugar added. They don't have to. It's so full of sugar anyway. And fruit, you know, i explain to my patients. If you want fruit and you have an orange, it's an orange. If you have a glass of orange juice, that's eight or nine oranges. And without fiber, without... uh, uh, it's just pure orange juice. It's pure, it's pure sugar.
0: Gosh. Okay. And but then this is you see this is where people get confused because a little earlier you said sugar has really is fine. It's, a little bit no, of sugar no, is okay. A little bit of sugar is. A little okay. bit of sugar yeah. is okay. So people think well I'll have the fruit juice. It's just a little bit of sugar. It's not. Fruit you're juice saying it's is, packed with sugar.
2: Fruit juice will push you on one's blood sugar if you have diabetes. Very high. And okay. You so can't so have things like uh, obviously uh, carbonated sweet cold drinks. That's full of sugar.
0: What about those lights and zeros and all those that's things? Fine, that's are those fine. Those okay. Yes, within
2: moderation, that's fine. Okay. The key word is moderation.
0: Okay. But I think this fruit thing is, is quite interesting. And what about fruit itself? Um, how many of fruits should they be eating a day?
2: Uh, three or four fruits a day is fine. Any specific fruits yes, you should avoid? Stay away from or not too many tropical fruits. Tropical fruits are very full of sugar. Very things sweet.
0: like pineapples and Pine those apples,
2: things. Pineapples, bananas, mangoes, grapes are very very sugary. And can push the blood sugar up whereas apples and oranges and pears are fine within moderation
0: okay and what about things like avocado because that had for a long time had a very bad rap and uh, I was hearing about people with with cholesterol and being told that it's actually not a, such a bad thing you can eat it
2: avocado is very good for you it's vegetable oils and it's good for your cholesterol
0: it's fattening but again in moderation it's fine and, and for it, diabetes diabetics in moderation it's good Okay, but this is the word, I think, coming out all the time. So don't get all paranoid and don't say, I can't have any of that. You can have some, but some. Absolutely. In moderation. It's all about moderation. Okay, and I was looking at something as well. I was uh, reading you were quoted in, in something as saying the diabetes tsunami is now here. That actually sounded like a bit of an alarmist thing to say. Well, is it that bad?
2: After the figures you read up yeah, earlier, is it that bad? You tell me.
0: <laughs> I thought maybe mine didn't quite sound quite as bad as the word tsunami because that's tsunami. almost like total destruction. Yep. Mm.
2: You know, in the first twenty years of the century, worldwide deaths and destruction from diabetes had exceeded HIV/AIDS.
0: Sorry, just repeat that.
2: Worldwide death and destruction from diabetes have now exceeded HIV
0: AIDS. And yet we don't seem to take it as seriously for some reason. Correct. Why? I
2: I don't know. We should be. And this is why uh, the United Nations declared a formal World Diabetes Day, to bring this to the attention of the world.
0: So more people are dying from AIDS than of... No. I mean, more people are dying from diabetes than from AIDS. Yes. And yet we take AIDS way more seriously than diabetes. Yes. Okay. So and all right. It's
2: a problem. And, you know, to get the authorities to understand this and to act on it is very difficult because what the authorities are trying to do quite correctly is introduce some programs of education to prevent diabetes, which is very necessary. But those poor people who already have diabetes are being left out in the rush.
0: But I was also reading about patients who receive antiretroviral drugs are also at a higher risk of developing diabetes. Certain combinations of antiretroviral drugs cause uh, local insulin resistance
2: and abnormal fat deposition, and they then get type 2 diabetes.
0: Right, okay, well, after that shock, just let me remind you that we're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on diabetes with my guest, Dr. Larry Distiller, Managing Director and Principal Physician of the Centre for Diabetes and Endocrinology. Any questions, you can call us on 0892 102010, 0892
1: 102010. At Adcock Ingram, we're inspired to create quality medicines at affordable prices. The passion and care that goes into our trusted brands like Panado, BioPlus, Compral, and Citrus Soda can also be found in our range of generic medicines. So, whether you're a boykey with a bellyache or a gogo with a cold, trust us to take care of you and your family's health. Adcock Ingram, adding value to life. Ask for Adcock Ingram medicines the next time you visit your pharmacy.
0: Right, and uh, Eunice in Linesia, Good evening. Uh, good evening. Uh, good evening to your doctor. I just want to find
4: out what's the ideal range for type 2 diabetes, because mine used to be 12, now it's down to 8, eight to between 8 and, and
2: 9.2. And the about... other
4: question is, I read on the internet, now they're saying eggs are bad for diabetes, and a whole lot, a lot of other things with it. So, I'll
0: listen on the radio on your comments on it. Yeah, thanks, okay. Yunus. All right. Yunus, okay, don't go yet. Hang but, on, Yunus. Hang on a bit. Wait. wait, wait? You about? Oh, he's no, gone. gone. He's, I was talking about his levels. I'm assuming when he's testing himself. It's, does he
2: mean blood sugar or does he mean HbA1c? I
0: think he's talking about the
2: blood sugar okay. when he's testing himself. Okay. The ideal blood sugar would be a fasting level, ideally, between 4 and 6.5, and a blood sugar taken randomly after meals uh, up to about 7.88.
0: Oh, okay. That would be that, ideal. I thought that was that would be that sounded a bit high.
2: No, that's that's that'll get you a normal HBA1C and that's good control. Oh, okay. For, between 4 and 6.5 fasting and between 4 and 7.88. And sometimes even up to 10 is okay.
0: Because I did a show on diabetes a couple of years ago and there was a, a lady that emailed me after the show quite an, in quite a panic because her when she was taking her own Testing us off in the morning or something. It was five, and somebody had told her that was extremely high. Not at all. And I thought, well, now I'm listening seven point eight eight, and I'm thinking, gosh, well, in her case, that would have been fine. No, fasting should be below six point five. Okay.
2: That's first thing in the morning when you wake up, and then other times in the day, below seven
0: point eight
2: eight, is fine. Above that, it's running a bit high.
0: Okay, so six point five for those of you listening. Six point five when you wake up in the morning, anything from there down, and the rest of the day, seven point eight to eight.
2: Yeah, that's reasonable. Okay. And if you're looking at HbA1c, which I should define, that's a blood test your doctor does, which gives you, or should do, which gives you a long-term running average of your blood sugar. But it doesn't measure blood sugar. It measures something else in the blood. It's indirect measurement. And your target there usually is below, it's reported in percentage points, below 7%. That's
0: not a blood sugar. That's an HbA1c. That, I've always found that, when I mean, I've heard about this, quite bizarre because it goes back three months or something. Yeah. And it can tell you what you've been doing for the past three months. It gives you an average. How on earth can it do that if you go in today for a blood test and then it can say, well, in the past three months you were doing whatever?
2: Very odd. How does it work? Because okay, the, the hemoglobin molecule in the blood converts to a minor form of hemoglobin. It changes, depend upon the prevailing glucose level. And that glucose level, the higher it is, the quicker it will change this across. The lifespan of a red blood cell is 120 days. So over that period of time, it's going to change its hemoglobin concentration depending upon prevailing blood sugar level. Okay. So if you measure that and see what percentage has changed across, it should be less than 7%. Oh, right. Because more than that means your sugars
0: have been too high on average over the last three months. Okay, that just makes more sense. When I heard about this test, I thought, how on earth can it tell you what your blood sugar's been doing for the last three months? Okay. Well, some sort of magic, you know. <laughs> M- medical magic. Medical magic. Right, Janine in Cape Town, good evening. Janine? Hello, Janine, are you there? Yeah, uh, can you oh, hear Oh, there me? you are. Now we can. Hello. Yes. Oh,
5: um, Dr. Vassili, you said that it was very important during pregnancy that the mother's blood sugar level was correct. And I wondered what effect it would have on the fetus if the mother had hypoglycemia during pregnancy.
2: Hypoglycemia meaning low blood glucose.
5: Yes.
2: Funnily enough, very little. The baby doesn't mind hypoglycemia. The baby doesn't like high blood sugars.
5: Right. All right. Thank you very much. Have you been
2: having a problem there at all, Janine? Uh, Well,
5: it was a long time ago that I had that problem, but it worried me. No.
2: Um, Hypoglycemia it's prolonged and persistent, and the mother's in a coma for three months, which is not going to happen, it yeah. uh, doesn't do the baby harm. Intermittent low sugars are fine. Intermittent high sugars are not good.
0: All right. Thank so you, you very much. So obviously, we're fine there, Janine. Thanks for getting through. That's it. Bye Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. So, that, yes, that is a bit of a concern, as you mentioned, the, for the baby. We need to make sure that our blood sugar is... Maybe we should, before we even consider doing the pregnancy thing, we should actually make sure that we're healthy before we start.
2: Of course you should be healthy. And the most important thing is don't be overweight when you're pregnant.
0: Yeah, otherwise you're going to end up with problems. Particularly if there's a family history. But <gasps> oh. often often you can't diagnose it until halfway through the pregnancy. It only mm. starts halfway through the pregnancy. Okay, so, and it's nothing I would imagine, imagine a lot of times, is it anything that we would have done or is it, the, it we were be eating the wrong things or is it just something that we would have been predisposed to? Predisposed to, superimposed on probably eating the wrong things and being overweight. Okay, right. And also
2: the older, the older mothers, the fatter mothers are more likely to get gestational diabetes. Okay.
0: You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key. And this evening we're just focusing on diabetes with my guest, Dr. Larry Distiller, Managing Director and Principal Physician of the Centre for Diabetes and Endocrinology. Any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 2010. Nina in Craig Hall. Good evening. Hello, Nina. Uh, Hi.
6: Hi. <laughs> Hi. Can I ask two questions? Yes, sure. Go ahead. The first one is that there seems to be some dissonance or disagreement about whether one's supposed to be having a test for four or six hours. So, in other words, it seems that it's not quite so simple to say just have a test. That's the first question. The second thing is that... I seem to have read in my day that there's a problem with testing so frequently because it's um, interfering with your natural sugar system, and by by elevating your sugar system so frequently, you're actually also having a bad impact.
2: I think you're referring to a glucose tolerance test.
6: Uh huh. And and you are. I am. Okay. I am.
2: All right. A glucose tolerance test is only necessary. If you are concerned about having pre-diabetes or impaired glucose tolerance, diabetes is diagnosed very simply by fasting glucose above seven. So it's a single fasting blood test. If the fasting blood test is between six and seven, so it's higher than normal but not high enough to be diabetes, you want to see what's going to happen after a meal. And what you then do is a glucose tolerance test. And what that is, is you're given 75 grams of glucose to drink. It's a sweet, sugary drink. And two hours later, a second blood test is taken. That should be below 7.8. If it's between 7.8 and 11, then that means you've got impaired glucose tolerance, which is a pre-diabetic state. Nobody has glucose tolerance tests done all the time. It's done once, maybe once a year it will raise your blood sugar for maybe 20 minutes once a year. It's not going to be a a problem in terms of causing any damage. Because if it's Um, it's above 11, then you have diabetes by definition. You don't have to do the test again. You've got your diagnosis.
6: Mm And And so the the fasting glucose is simply that you're going to fast overnight, and then you're going to have... A blood test, and that's going to tell you where
2: you're at. Absolutely. It'll give you one of three answers. Either it's normal, which case it's great, go home. Or Uh it's above seven, in which case you've got diabetes, there's your diagnosis. Or Uh it's between normal and diabetes, and then you go ahead and do a glucose tolerance test to see where you're at in terms of pre-diabetes.
6: Okay, that's great. And tell me something, do you think um, most doctors are aware of this? I know that often, you know, the medical system is somehow behind what the the most current thinking is.
2: Well, this is not new; it's been around Uh for a number of years, and most doctors should be aware of it. Uh
6: huh. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nina. Thank you.
2: I I did forget to answer a question the previous about eggs. Oh right, the eggs. Yes. Um, Just to make the point that it's not a good idea to learn your medicine from Doctor Google. Oh, right. Okay. Because Doctor Google's got lots of people who give him lots of different ideas, <laughs> and some and some may be scientifically correct, and some are nonsense, and some are new age rubbish, and you can't differentiate one from the other, unless you've got scientific expertise to look where it's coming from and what it's about.
0: So, what is the story about the eggs? Eggs are fine
2: in moderation.
0: Well, there's the word again. You yeah. don't go having six eggs every day because it's not going to be good for you yeah. anyway.
2: But two or four eggs a week should not do any harm.
0: No. So that probably explains why my doctor is never too happy when I say, "Well, I looked it up on the internet," and then he looks at me a bit oddly. So, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. The worst
2: enemy of the medical (laughs) profession is Doctor Google.
0: (laughs) Right. So we'll not not, we'll not consult with him too regularly. No, Claire and George. Good evening. Uh, uh, I am
5: hopeful that you can answer a question for me uh, to the doctor. I uh have heard that fructose is not particularly good um and uh that this may be a reason why overdoing fruit is not such a good idea um maybe this is incorrect information but um I was uh, um uh, was astonished to see in uh, a magazine uh, just out of interest they said um uh, some rusks for diabetics and then they, um, uh, they said that one should put in fructose instead of sugar.
2: I would not do that. You're quite right. Fructose is not good. Fructose powder is not good because of why it's, a, it's an alternative sweetener. It's as caloric as sugar because fructose is a sugar and it has certain effects on the liver and the triglycerides or fats in the blood that are not favourable. So fructose in a natural fruit is fine, fructose as an additive powder and fructose as a fruit juice is not good for you. Oh
5: thanks uh, And and uh, what is uh, your opinion of xylitol?
2: Xylitol is fine, oh, there's a lot written about, again Dr Google tells you it's very <laughs> bad for you, but in fact most of it there's no evidence for whatsoever. All the scientific evidence, all the, the nutritional guidelines internationally, support the use of all these artificial sweeteners in moderation.
0: Can I I pipe in here and ask about aspartame because that's the other thing. Absolutely the same thing. Aspartame is harmless in moderation. So what if you use it every day in tea or something? That's
2: in moderation. If if you're drinking 20 liters
0: of diet cold drink a day, that's not moderation. Oh. Is aspartame in the diet cold drink as well? Most of them. Okay. And so we shouldn't panic too much. Just don't don't drink 20 liters of it. I can
2: tell you my three children all grew up on diet-cool drinks from the time they were babies. They're young adults now and they're all perfectly well and intellectually very
0: bright. Okay great well, I can carry on having my my little sweetener things in my tea then absolutely Great. so do I okay. Claire does that help you Have you, yes, do you uh, need um, it? I've been
5: wondering about that for ages because I wondered why on earth it was being uh, touted as a, a good additive to uh, for diabetics and I thought this
2: is surely wrong yeah, that's an old, old old stuff. the more modern trend is not to offer it and not to recommend
0: it. Yes So, gosh so were they offering it were they suggesting it back in the day that fructose wasn't a bad thing.
5: Um this is quite recent uh um and not a great one for reading um recipes or anything, but I was curious as to what they would recommend for diabetics because I had an uncle who was diabetic, and uh, when I saw the um uh, a, a cup or so of, or, or five hundred grams, I think it was of fructose good i brief. thought this is absolutely um off the wall uh, I, I thought that was a very bad idea but then i thought i don't have enough information to be sure
2: now you're right and rather use an artificial sweetener never mind with what google says
0: <laughs> right <laughs> well thank you very much thanks so much for getting through claire good night to you good it's rather alarming, though, that people would talk to something. I mean, people who write these sort of recipes would say, well, you know, this is for a diabetic. One would assume that they'd consulted with a dietician or somebody knowledgeable before they would say something like that. Because, I mean, people who are diabetic would then go out and, and do that.
2: There are a lot of people out there, and we won't mention names, uh, but there are a lot of people out there who are recommending numerous different diets, supplements, and other things with no scientific background whatsoever.
0: It's rather so where should we go for this information we can't go to dr Google anymore because you put you know you've no. scared us half to death about him now you go, so go to your doctor we go to the doctor trust your doctor go to your doctor or a dietitian, maybe or a good academic qualified dietitian okay right comfort in Whitbank. good evening mm. evening to
4: you car and, and the to the doctor uh I just wanted to find out uh, apart from uh, Having uh, the, the, this diabetes, uh, maybe receiving it from your family line, maybe from your parents or something like that. What what what, what causes the thing? Because uh, I, I just got the program like in the middle where you were speaking about the the young children, the modern children now that they, they they don't move around, they don't play around, and
5: those mm. kind of things
4: but uh, apart from that and apart from having it receiving it on, from the from from your family line what causes uh, diabetes uh, in terms of the lifestyle and the, 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 the kind of food that we eat and I'm listening on the radio now
0: thanks comfort okay. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, good we night
2: did, we did cover this I'll repeat it diabetes is basically a genetic predisposition to it so genetically you might be disposed to it but you need usually to gain weight and be inactive so it's the kind of food that's high in calories that causes weight gain together with no activity. So it's Western Western lifestyle, fast foods.
0: So it's fat, sugar, salt, those sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, fat, sugar, salt, and no exercise. Okay, so sitting around eating fast food and snacks while you're watching TV or playing computer games.
2: Not a you're good on idea. Are
0: ri- on the right road if you're planning to get diabetes? you Are pretty much on the way? Yeah, not a good idea. Okay, so definitely don't go put right to that. Put now. your exercise back in front of the TV and cycle while you are. <laughs> There you see you always have a plan. We didn't even need Dr. Google for that one, but so, so well done, yeah okay. so if you want to watch TV, get an exercise bike and do what do spinning classes, do your own spinning class in front of the TV. Yes. Right, there you go. And then it's, it's not going to be quite so bad. Just a reminder, you're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on diabetes with my guest, Dr. Larry Distiller, Managing Director and Principal Physician of the Centre for Diabetes and Endocrinology. Any questions? We don't have too much time left, so if you want to get through, call us on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10
1: 2010. At Adcock Ingram, we're passionate about the health of all South Africans. For more than 120 years, generations of families across the Rainbow Nation have trusted us with the day-to-day health of their loved ones. With household names like Panado, Bioplus, Comprel and Citrus Soda, you'll find the same quality and care in all of our medicines. Adcock Ingram, adding value to life. Ask for
0: Adcock Ingram medicines the next time you visit your pharmacy. Right, Brian in Davyton, good evening. I'm fine, madam. How are you? Very well, Brian. How are you doing? Uh, It's Fantastic. How how can we help you? Do you have a question for the doctor?
4: Yeah, I just want to ask you one question. I'm listening to my phone. uh, Yeah, I just want to ask one person. For how long would you want to take before the indication of the symptoms?
0: How long before the symptoms arrive? Yeah,
4: for how long is going to take? For how long it's going to take before the indication of the
2: symptoms? The symptoms can take anything from months to years to even 10 years. It depends. The symptoms are due to a high blood sugar. And sometimes with type 2 diabetes, the sugar is high but not very high. So you don't have many symptoms. And very often, the first time you get symptoms is when you get complications. So you'll notice that your circulation to your leg is bad. Or you'll have a heart attack. Or your your vision will go bad. Then you go to the doctor. He says, oh, you've got diabetes but you've had it for 10 years before that.
3: Okay, 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 thanks, doctor.
0: Thanks. The thing, okay. Brian, the thing, or do you think that you might have diabetes? Is that why you're calling?
4: Uh, no, I just want to, know. I don't have uh, diabetes. Just, I just want to know. I'm listening to your call, madam, so I just want to know that... Uh, uh, about the diabetes. That's why I'm asking this question. Okay,
0: because a lot, yeah. as, as
4: you would because, have... Yeah, because there are some diseases that are very, very hidden. Sometimes we are going to
3: live without or with it, we never know. That's right. That's, That's
2: right. right. That's right with diabetes. You live with it until you have problems from it and then suddenly you know you've got it. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Because that is the scary thing about diabetes. As we keep saying, it's a silent killer. And it, it can cause all sorts of terrible things to go wrong with you and you didn't know you had it because basically a lot of the time there aren't any symptoms so you don't know that you're sick which is why as we said right at the beginning dr distiller said we need to actually once we hit the age of about 40 if we haven't had any symptoms of any major description by the time we're 40 this should be part of our annual checkup we should be having our blood sugar taken and tested once a year i think brian's gone now brian you're still there no, no, he's, he's gone. But, you know, it's, it's what he says. You know, he asked how long before you – but you, you but sometimes you just would never know. Yeah, but I'd like to just add something here. Perhaps we are giving people a big scare here. Well, is that um, a bad thing? No, it's not a bad
2: thing. But I think we need to understand that if diabetes is diagnosed with modern-day treatment – It's treatable. You can live – and as we say, diabetes is not a death sentence. It's mm-hmm. a life
0: sentence. yes. And let's explain what that means. It's a you lifestyle need you to look, you change. Look after yourself mm. and
2: look after your, Take your pills, take your medicine, and most importantly, change your lifestyle for the rest of your life. But you can live to. I mean, I've got many patients in the 80s and 90s who have been diabetic for 20, 30, 40 years,
0: and they're doing very well. So basically, we just need to make people aware of it. And once it's once it is diagnosed. It is treatable, and as Dr. Distiller says, you can live a very healthy life for a very long time, but it's up to you. It's, it's a case of taking responsibility, of being compliant. That's the big thing. We need to take the medication, change the way we live and or eat. And um, I was talking to a doctor actually the other day who said, The thing about the supposedly inverted commas, she said, there is no such thing as a diabetic diet. She said, it's the way we should all be eating. Our entire family should be eating healthily. So that's how we should be eating. It's no such thing as an actual diabetic diet. Would you agree with that?
2: Well, first of all, I don't use the word diet. Diet's a Well, that's what
0: she said. You know, otherwise people think they're being deprived.
2: Diet's a four-letter word. You Mm. shouldn't use it. It's rude. Yeah, I agree with you. You talk talk about proper eating habits. Yes. And everybody should eat properly. So Mm. you're quite right. There's no, the, the concept of a diabetic diet doesn't exist. Yeah. It's healthy eating.
0: And she said the whole family should be eating, So, as, as if you have to change the way you do things, you should just be eating well, it's, it's more healthily.
2: Important, more important than that because it, the, the, the inheritance of diabetes is quite strong. If you've got a parent with type 2 diabetes, your chance of getting it's about 50%. Wow, that
0: high. So, yeah, sure. so
2: one, and that's because of lifestyle as well, obviously nature and nurture. So one needs to, um, in fact, get the whole family to go along and eat properly and do some exercise.
0: And as I say, get your children
2: up off the couch. Well, what I say to my new patients when I see them, my type 2 patients, I say, I'll do, I'll sort you out, I'll help you. Now bring me your children. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, we have to do something. Our children are are not getting enough um, exercise, and it's only going to come back to haunt them when they get older. Right, Komuchelo in Farinachan. Good evening.
4: Good evening, ma'am.
0: Hello. How can Uh, we help you?
4: uh, I'm good, ma'am. I just want to know, I just want to ask the doctor. I'm a newly diagnosed. Uh, yesterday actually so I just want to know from the doctor uh, how long or what is it that one has to do as there is people talking saying like it would affect your family department to understand what I'm saying so what is it that one has to do to
3: avoid such things for it to go that far eventually
2: okay. well first of all the first good news is you've been diagnosed so you know what you're dealing with yes. your doctor must give you the right medication and teach you how to eat properly and do some exercise. And if you keep your blood sugar under control, close to normal, and look after it, you'll go for the next 30, 40 years without any problems.
4: Okay, because I'm young. I'm only 27 years, and my life just started. I haven't like, got married yet, but, you know, hearing that you're diabetic it's, and don't, don't,
2: don't worry about it. Are yeah. you on insulin?
4: No, I'm on pills, obviously.
2: Are you very overweight? Hello? Are you overweight? Uh, I
4: weigh 96 actually, okay. I'm 27, weigh 96. Okay.
2: You, you may or may not need to go into insulin treatment soon. If you do, it doesn't matter. It works very well. As long as you keep your blood sugar well controlled and close to normal and look after yourself, you've got a long, long, healthy life ahead of you.
0: Okay. Only that, Doctor. Come can I ask you, what made you go and get yourself tested?
4: No, actually, it's like I, I had frequently, like, uranium and a dry product in every time. Then I couldn't, like, uh, stay more than an hour without drinking water or going to the toilet or something. That's what happened to
2: me. I think, so. from, I think from your symptoms, I suspect you've got type 1 diabetes in your age. And I suspect you probably should be on treatment with insulin, not with pills. But your doctor will make that decision, I'm sure.
0: Okay. But just it keep it, keep an eye on your sugar levels, Comachelo, because as Dr. Distilla says, we can do something. As long as you are vigilant, you keep an eye on it, and make sure that your sugar levels remain constant and they're good, you'll be healthy for many, many years to come. Okay, okay, thank you, man. So don't worry too much. You've got a good life ahead of you, Kumokelo.
3: Okay, thank you. Bye yeah, bye you now. Know,
0: you know, a
2: lot of my patients tell me that diabetes was a hidden blessing because yeah. they, have, they have to look after themselves and be healthy.
0: Absolutely. But you mentioned the insulin thing. I was just curious, at what point for someone who said t- type 2 diabetes and on pulls, and you mentioned you might have to go on insulin soon before you said you could possibly be type 1, what would make them move from pulls to insulin if you are a type 2 diabetic?
2: Type 2 diabetes tends to be progressive. It starts with a slight elevation in blood sugar and over time the cells that make insulin slowly die off. It's a natural history of the condition. So you'll start off needing one pill, there may be two pills or three pills. When they stop working, you need to go into insulin. So we, t- we call it treating to target. You want to okay. target a normal blood sugar. So as the sugar starts going above target, you intensify your treatment. And if the pill's are not working, you then go into insulin. Uh, okay. It's not a failure, it's not the patient's fault, it's just the natural history of the condition. Oh,
0: uh, okay. Right, Eddie from Malanga. good evening. Hello, Eddie? Hello, Hello, hello. Are you? How can, I'm fine. How are you? I'm all right. How can um, we help you?
3: You know, um, I just wanted to know exactly what I wanted to know on my sugar diabetes side. If a, if a person is uh, maybe sugar diabetic and then almost when they check it, the sugar diabetes, is almost running from 80, 24, 30 like that. What is the main cause of it?
2: You mean the sugar level running
3: 24, 30? Yeah, 24, sometimes 30.
2: It means the blood sugar is very, very high, and that's dangerous. That's dangerously high. It should be running at least under 10. So it means your treatment's not right. And if the sugar's running that high, I can tell you it means you need to take insulin treatment. Yeah,
3: you know why, um, doctor, I'm, I'm calling concerning my lady, because she's having that, problem and he's a driver which is working and it's very much dangerous because it's
2: in my mind. Can't you can't walk around with sugars that high. It has to be treated. He's get to a doctor and get it down.
3: Yeah she she's in almost a treatment from a doctor but it seems to me there's nothing that's going on going on now that the sugar that that's then, going go, up and down.
2: then go for a second opinion. where about do you live
3: in Pumalanga Pum- I'm back in Pumalanga.
2: Where about in Pumalanga?
3: We are in uh, A- A- Ken Huk.
2: Okay. I know that there are centers for diabetes that work under us in um, uh, in Nelsprate and the others around that area. Uh, go and see somebody who understands diabetes who can help.
0: In, the, in Dr. Dasila, if I emailed you in the morning, could you possibly give me some idea of where these places are close to where Eddie is and then I can let him know. Eddie, I've got your phone number and maybe I can give you a call.
2: Okay. Yes, no, with pleasure. Okay. If, Eddie. if he's near Acorn Hook, I'll find I'll find one of our centres close to him and I'll send, I'll send it on to you.
0: Okay, Eddie, we'll be in touch okay, with you okay. tomorrow, okay? okay Thanks so much. Good night. Right, our okay. last caller for the evening, Kimmy in Durban. Good evening.
7: Yes, uh, good evening to you, Carl, and good evening to you, Doctor. Hi. Uh, I have just one comment to make and and a question, if you would just indulge me. Okay, very quickly, Uh,
0: Kimmy, we don't have too much time.
7: Okay, so I hear the doctors cry there not to uh, uh, blindly trust Dr. Google. Yes. But I do see a wealth of information uh, on Google, and I think uh, there are some uh, well-informed sites, uh, particularly those by pharmaceutical companies that have a wealth of information which could arm a, an ignorant person like me when to go and approach the doctor so i wouldn't just blindly put it in the trash can you know there there's some information there that could be beneficial to all of us uh, and my question quickly is that uh, i'm on glucophage and i found that uh, after i was diagnosed to be pre diabetic that uh, glucophage makes you extremely tired and uh, makes you lethargic and makes you want to sleep. And again, when I went I reverted back to Dr. Google, I found that some of these medications deplete nutrients in your body, but the doctor itself, uh, on inception, they don't tell you this information. I think there's um, a large amount of doctors that are guilty of not advising their patients that uh, there are medications that deplete nutrients in your body. Uh, so i just like the doctor to comment on that and uh, and why is that the doctors do not advise us of these
0: Thanks for the question, Kimmy. I,
2: I don't know. have enough time to answer this. We've first got of, two minutes. <laughs> first of all, um, when I say decry Dr. Do, Google, it's because people do not differentiate. There are some wonderful sites on, on Google, some wonderful sites. You can even get scientific articles on there. Mm. But you've got to know how to differentiate from the uh, chaff from the wheat. And most people don't know how to do that. So I agree. The pharmaceutical companies give a lot of advice and so on. The second question is, I don't understand what you mean deplete nutrients. Uh, Glucophage or metformin, if you take it for 5 or 10 years, in a certain percentage of people, you may deplete vitamin B12. But they don't deplete nutrients in the short term. If they're making you tired, and it's a very rare side effect of metformin, it can be due to building up a bit of lactic acid in the bloodstream. And there are alternative pills you can take. But the commonest side effect of metformin or glucophage is actually nausea, and a bit of a running tummy.
0: That's the common side effect. It's not depleting nutrients. Is there anything that people possibly should be taking as a supplement if they're diabetic?
2: Uh, we don't believe in supplements. If you eat three decent meals a day you're getting more than enough vitamins and supplements that you need. Uh, if you look around and again go and look and do some searches you'll find anything from chromium to nickel to zinc is all supposed to help diabetes. And we had a look at this in our centre as a, as a fun exercise, and identified seventy-two different products, My nutrients. You'd be shaking if you took all of them. Yeah, that, that people say helps diabetes. None of us got any scientific evidence whatsoever. You know, if you eat, if you make a vitamin therapy, all these big vitamins just give you expensive urine. That's all they do.
0: Okay, so basically we get back to where we started. Three decent moderate meals a day eating the right stuff stay off dangerous things like fructose and those sorts of things and uh, you should be fine absolutely we don't need vitamins no okay well my thanks once again this evening to dr larry distiller managing director and principal physician of the center for diabetes and endocrinology and he's been my guest on tonight's edition of health matters dr distiller thank you very much indeed for your time and for all the wonderful information you've imparted to my listeners this evening Thank you, and thanks very much. If you have any questions about something you've heard on the show this evening, you can email me on healthmatters at safm.co.za or take a look at the Facebook page, Health Matters on SAFM. And don't forget, there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page. Just let me know which of them you'd like, but always remember to please include your email address so I can send them to you. Well, that's it for Health Matters for this week. I'm Karin Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with Time to Travel. And before I go, let me tell you that the SABC is intending to conduct vital planned maintenance on all TV platforms between 11.30 and 12.30 tonight. Viewers may experience some program interruptions. SABC apologizes for any inconvenience and normal programming will resume as soon as the maintenance is done.
1: This pro at Adcock Ingram, we're inspired to create quality medicines at affordable prices. The passion and care that goes into our trusted brands like Panado, Bioplus, Compral and Citrus Soda can also be found in our range of generic medicines. So whether you're a boiki with a bellyache or a gogo with a cold, trust us to take care of you and your family's health. Adcock Ingram, adding value to life. Ask for Adcock Ingram medicines
0: the next time you visit your pharmacy. And this program was brought to you by Adcock Ingram. Adcock Ingram is passionate about the health of all South Africans across our rainbow nation. Trust Adcock Ingram medicines to take care of you and your family's health. Adcock Ingram, adding value to life. And it's time now for some nighttime music with Stephen Kirker. Hello, Stephen.